0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Today I'm reading from 2 Samuel chapter 10 verses 1 through 5. And it said, and it happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. And Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. That was David's heart. I want to show kindness to him. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan their lord, Do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Therefore Hanan took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks. The weird stuff you read in the Bible. And sent them away. When they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said wait at jericho until your beards have grown and then return last five weeks of greater church we've been talking to you about our our vision and our vision is not one that we've taken as an organization but the vision that we believe that god has for every single individual one for you to know god for you to be able to have freedom and close the door in your yesterday forever. For you to discover your purpose, what you were created for. And then for you to go out and make a difference. And these four things are vital and important to God. And so we've taken them and we've based our entire church around them. These are promises that God has given them. Now the next two weeks, what I want to do as we kind of culminate this time, this series, is that I want to talk to you about two different things. I'm about to give you a title in a second. I know some of y'all OCD are like, I need to have my title at the top. Let's go. These two things that I'm going to preach about to you this Sunday, and then my wife is going to share with you two next Sunday, are two of the most critical things that will stop you from achieving God's best in your life. The series has been called "Live Greater," not because of Greater Church or the name, but because we want you to live a greater life. And these two things that I'm going to talk about—one today, the next one next Sunday—are important. They're vital. And these are the the, the blocking walls that will stop you from achieving everything that God has for you. And hopefully, what I'm going to do today is be able to help you. Not only to recognize it to see if you carry this, but also to be able to be set free from it. Today, I'm going to be preaching from this message. I want you to take notes. I want to preach from this message. Untriggered. Untriggered. We're going to talk some today. Untriggered. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord Jesus, to just come before you, Lord. to spend some time in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. It's been a fun morning. It's been one, Lord God, in which we've seen you, we felt you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that even now, Lord, that you would remove scales from our eyes, Lord. There are parts of our hearts, Lord God, that are so burdened, so hard, so hurt. I pray that today, Father, that you would bring healing to us, Lord. Help us, Father God, not to be triggered by things, but today let us find healing, Lord God. That when we go to try to grab that emotion, Lord, that always gives us the strength to power up and and to get through it, Lord, that we wouldn't be able to find it, but that we would find your strength. That it wouldn't be about us anymore, but that it'll be about you, Lord, that we can trust, rely in you. Father, I love you and I thank you. It's in Jesus name we pray Lord. Amen and amen. Come on if you're expecting believing for God to give your word. Would you make some noise in this place? Oh come on would you make some noise in this place? Amen. Untriggered. Untriggered. Uh, Me and my wife we've been coming to Georgia on and off here for I don't know, man. It's probably been about 10 years, 12 years that we've been kind of traveling back and forth. And some of y'all are like, "Okay, you live here. I don't understand that. Well, if you're new here, we moved about six years ago from Miami, Florida, and we planted a church here um, in Georgia. And it's been a beautiful uh, few weeks ago. We celebrated five years of ministry um, since we launched the church. And it's been God. God has been awesome. But it's funny because me and my wife, we've been coming to this city or coming to this state for probably half, double that time. So I remember one time we were on our way to Georgia, right? Because there was a music awards that were happening in downtown Atlanta. So me and my wife, we ended up coming. And it's funny, we used to stay right down the road from here whenever we would come at a friend of ours, Jay Sotos. And what happened is that me and my wife are driving now. And when you're coming from Miami, it's a 10-hour drive. And depending on who you are, if you got kids taken care of, that kind of measures what time you leave, right? We decided to leave at a time that we would end up getting here around 4.30, 5.30 in the morning. We'd sleep for a little while, and then we'd get up and do what we needed to do. Well, on this specific day, we hit Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, and it was probably about 3 in the morning, right? So I'm usually the driver, and my wife, all she does is sleep. You know what I mean? That's all she does. And so I'm driving. And when I'm driving, how many of y'all remember back in the days? Back in the days, I mean, probably like four years ago. I think they shut it down three years ago. Y'all remember Gladys Night Chicken and Waffles? How many of y'all remember that in downtown? Gladys, that was the Lord Jesus. Like when you go to heaven, Peter's going to have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And then he's going to have public subs. We have public subs in Next Steps. But then he's also going to have a little side over here for Gladys Night Chicken and Waffles. And your favorite syrup. Sugar-free if that's what you want. <laughs> it's three in the morning. And I'm driving through downtown Atlanta and I'm like... Ooh, I'm about to get some Gladys Night, So I pull off skirt. When I get to the parking lot, my wife wakes up. And when she wakes up, she's like, babe, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, I'm going to go get some chicken and waffles. Like, just, I'm, I just want to go. And, bro, you, you ever wake up mad? That was my wife. She just starts yelling at me. I'm like, bro, I don't want to, babe, I want to go to a bed. I want to sleep. I'm tired. I'm like, bro, you've been sleeping for the last seven hours. But that's not here nor there. And I'm like, and we're driving and she's just mad at me. And now she's like yelling and I'm pulling up. And then she just, you know, she just gives me the silent treatment. And she just looks out the window. So what do I do as a good husband? I know my wife is upset. She wants to sleep. What do I do? Well, she ain't saying nothing. That means I can go. <laughs> Fellas, that's not what it means at all. Joe, that doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. So I pull up. Boom. When I get to, to the spot, I turn the car off and then she's like, oh, so we're getting out. And I'm like, yeah, babe, I just I'm going to go get the I'm going to be right back. So she I guess she thought about it a little bit. Downtown Atlanta at three in the morning is probably not the place that you want to, like, stay in the car by yourself. So she comes up and she, she walks with me. So we go inside. And when we go inside, the, the person is like, hey, do you want to take out or do you want to sit down? And I'm like, bro, at this point, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> Give me my table give me my table. I'm a man. I run this house. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. That's a lie. Don't strike me down, Lord. Yo. But yo, when, I, when we sit down, we start eating. And I, I mean, we just super silent the whole time. And she, I don't even think she ate anything. Babe, I don't even think you ate anything that day. Super mad the whole time. And I'm like enjoying my stuff. I got hot sauce. I got, I'm sloppy everywhere. So boom, we finish. When we finish, I'm like, babe, you good? And I'm happy now. And I'm expecting for you to be happy because we've, you know, we've hung out, like we're we're eating. This is a good time. I said, Babe, you good? And she just. And in that moment, I felt this like pressure. Now, this is what I wanna talk to you about today because that pressure is something that we all feel regularly. And for some of us, we deal with it a lot more than everybody else. That pressure, that title is when you're offended offended when you're living in offense and here it is definitely I'm I screwed the whole day up I should have just took her to a bed and then came back to downtown Atlanta and got my own stuff but I offended my wife and it changed a lot about our dynamic in that moment even the way that we were reacting with each other here's what happens I want to explain to you what this word offense offense the actual word in Greek is the word scandalon. that word scandalon is where we get the idea or where we get the word the English word scandal And what it means, it really, that word Scandalon, if I can give it to you in a perfect illustration, it's like, imagine if you had, this is the worst illustration ever. Imagine if you had a box, right? And then on that box, I should have had somebody do this. That's what I was telling Jason. Uh, Jason, I forgot. This is what I was telling you, and I forgot. So imagine if this is a box, right? And what we do is that we have like these little, how many of y'all hunt, do any type of hunting? Outside of Dave. Anyway, so... (laughs) When we catch stuff, back in the days, we used to have a box, and then we would put like a little stick in it, and then you would have a string. Y'all remember that? And when somebody, you've seen it it as on Tom and Jerry, and then whenever they go, boom, you pull the string, and as soon as you pull the string, pop, it will catch them. That's what the word scandalon means. It actually means to be trapped, but it really means it's a trigger. That word scandalon or offense, that's where we get the, the, the popular term now, triggered, you know what I mean? When somebody says something to you and it, oh, it offends you, like it makes you triggered alert. You see it on social media, it's like, yo, be careful. I'm going to say something that's going to offend you. And yo, we live in a city and in a world right now where I feel like being offended can happen at the drop of a dime. Somebody's like, good morning. No, it's not. You didn't vote for global warming. I mean offense is something that's just it traps us and before you know it when you allow the scandal on when you allow this trigger to catch you you find yourself trapped. I'll show you and hopefully if I can show you to relate maybe I can show you an escape. Watch this. The Bible says that David was sitting with his men and there was a king of Ammon. And he had passed away. He had died. So what he said was that, yo, I'm going to send a delegation to send people over there just to say we're sorry. You know, we're there for them. You know, when you go pay your condolences, you bring somebody flowers. If somebody passes away, David's heart, his intent, what he wanted to do was to be able to show them like, yo, we love you. We're with you. I'm sorry that your father, the king, has passed away. So he sends a delegation. Now the delegation goes over there, but when they get there, all of a sudden there's princes that are around the king at this time. His name is Haman. There's princes that are with him who, side note, they probably wanted to be king when the dad died and they just mad that they weren't the king. Um, You know, use that as it fits. But here it is that they tell Haman, yo, you really think that David's bringing people to comfort you with words? He's not bringing people to comfort you with words. He's trying to spy out the land because he wants to take the kingdom from you. And David, his intent and his heart was that he wanted to bring comfort. But all of a sudden, these princes were telling him he's bringing chaos. Have you ever done that? I mean, like your intent is not to offend anybody. But Jesus himself says that offense is going to come from everybody. But here's the crazy part about it. When you never intend to do it, but still people receive it and they get offended by something that you do possibly or something that somebody says. Husbands, you know, when you tell your wife, you're like... Babe, are those new pants? And your wife is like, do I look fat? Are you saying that I look fat? Is that what you're saying? Bro, I just asked you if those were new pants. Ladies, some of y'all do the same thing though. It's just like, oh, you know... Did anybody take out the garbage? And you're sitting on the couch and you're watching your third season of whatever show you're watching, Corbacay or whatever, and you're sitting there and did anybody take out the garbage? Well, if you need me to take out the garbage, you can ask me to take out the garbage. You don't have to just throw it into the atmosphere. Like you could just speak to me and tell me, like I forgot to take out the And you're like offended. Bro, ain't nobody talking to you. She just, was, she just walked by and saw the garbage. But what happens is that because offense, undealt with, begins to grow inside of you. Watch this. David sends his people there and then all of a sudden the king says yo these people the princes my brothers are telling me that these people are actually here to spy the land and then they do two things to them in that moment to be able to break everything inside of them. The Bible says that the first thing that they do is that they take their beard and they shave off half of their beard. Now I want you to understand Leviticus chapter 19 verse 27. It explains very specifically what it means when a person loses their beard. Please this is Your identity to the Jewish culture. Even today, a razor in 2022, this was thousands of years ago. But today, 2022, a razor cannot touch the beard of a Jewish man because it's symbolic of their their identity, of who they are, their stature, their rank. It means this is who I am. The moment that you touch it, it begins to break them down or it begins to show you something about them that shows weakness or shows dishonor. And so for them to rip half of their beard off was to embarrass them. It changed their identity. yo. Know, that's what happens with when we have offense in our life that is undealt with. It changes our identity, bro. This is a heavy message. I know y'all sitting there with your cheeks all tight and then just like, oh my God, you're talking to me. I get it. But like, listen to me. You are a fun person and you're always laughing and you're always joking. But when you're offended, all of a sudden now it changes your identity where now you don't want to talk. This is seen no better than in a marriage when you're laughing and you're joking but then all of a sudden there's an offense that happens and this isn't a marriage sermon y'all this happens with you and your friends when you've been dming them 48 different things on instagram every time something's funny you shoot them a dm oh my god check this out and when you jump on instagram you got 48 messages that you don't look at but then when they say something to offend you now you don't send them anything i'm not telling them anything they're so stupid i can't deal with them i'm not gonna show nothing oh my god can't stand her she's so stupid anyway and it changes your identity it changes who you are you're not really an angry person you're not a mad person you're not a person that hates other people but when an unforgiveness or when offense enters into your heart all of a sudden it starts changing a little bit of how you look and how you treat other people it's insane because it actually begins to get deeper inside of you than you believe I want to show you something because in the book, The Bait of Satan, um, he, he writes this, this piece down that I think is super important. He breaks down Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. John Bevere, in his book, The Bait of Satan, he says, he breaks this verse down. Jesus is speaking in the end times. I'm not going to say we're in the end times, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus comes back this afternoon. I'm saying if what we read in the Bible about the warnings, the signs, the wars, rumors of wars, if what we see in the Bible is an indication of what it will look like when he returns, man, get right or get left. That's old school. Y'all like that? I like that. I need an organ. Where's my organ? <laughs> Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. It says, At that time, the end times, many will turn away from the faith. And watch this, they will betray. And they will hate one another. When betrayal, when, when, when offense, which is the beginning of it, enters into your heart and it's undealt with, all of a sudden it turns into betrayal. For you to know what betrayal is, you have to know what it is not. It's a lack of trust. It's not having trust in somebody. That's what betrayal is. And then when you have hatred, it's an absence of love. Hatred is an absence of love. So what ends up happening is that in the midst of you living in offense and you're offended at somebody, you're mad at somebody. All of a sudden now, you you see that it starts taking time for you to trust anybody. Because now when people try to be your friend, you're like, you got an ulterior motive. You're going to hurt me just like they did. Even in relationship, for some of us that are maybe in a romantic relationship, some of us unfortunately maybe even have separated from somebody or been divorced and it's hard for you to trust somebody else. For some of us, we've been in churches, man, where they've destroyed us, they've hurt us so bad, and it's hard for you to step into another season and trust people. And then if you don't deal with it and you don't deal with that, then it actually becomes hatred. Now you're super cynical about church. Like even somebody inviting you today to church, you were just like, oh, I'm trying to go to another church, man. Oh, what's that dude gonna say? I ain't never seen a black Cuban in my life. What does he have to say? Like, and all of a sudden you become cynical and it starts to turn into hatred. Why? Because it changes your identity. It shaves off half of your beard. That's not who you are. That's not who you were created to be. But when you allow it to enter into you, it starts changing the way that you look. As a matter of fact, we've taken five weeks and for the last four weeks we talked about four core promises that were given to the children of israel exodus chapter 6 verses 6 through 7 he says i will take you out of egypt i will free you from egypt meaning i will take you out of egypt but then i'm going to take egypt out of you i will redeem you and then he says i will put you amongst the people and i will give you the promise of fulfillment and i will be your god right all four of these promises were given to the children of israel what i didn't continue to show you was that in verse 9 just Two verses later was the response of the children of Israel. Imagine that Moses is telling you, I'm going to allow for you to know God. I'm going to, you're going to get out of Egypt. You're not going to no longer have to be dealing with making bricks and being slaves to them. Then I'm going to take you out and then I'm going to take Egypt out of you. So it's not no longer that I'm just going to take you out of slavery, but I'm going to take slavery out of you and then I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to show you what your purpose is. I'm going to put you right back to where you were supposed to do, where you're doing something, and then I'm going to give you fulfillment. Then you're going to be doing something that has an eternal ramification, meaning that what you do is going to go so much more past you. It's going to go into so many other people. It's going to deal with children and children's children, the words that come out of your mouth, the things that you do with your hands. It's going to bless other people. Imagine having God tell you this, which he did tell you this. And imagine God having to told you, tell you this. And look at what the children of Israel says. Exodus chapter 6 verse 9. So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. The children of Israel were in this space that they couldn't even receive it. So what happens is that when you allow offense to get into your heart and create bitterness and unforgiveness betrayal and and anger and hatred it starts to change who you are to the point that when god actually is going to bless you you can't even receive the blessing because you don't even believe it i mean this is easy for you to get to this isn't something that's so far-fetched for all of us to be able to get into this space because it's true the bible says that they go and they take these individuals and when they take these individuals they They shave off half of their beards. But then it says they take them and in the back of their garment, they cut a hole out right at the back of their buttocks. Some of y'all have illustrated minds already. (laughs) So these men are walking around with their booty sticking out. If you need some help. There's a difference. There's a difference between nakedness and being nude, right? So, like a baby, when a baby's nude, it's like, "Ha! Ah, oh my God, it's so cute!" You know what I mean? Husbands and wives, you know that's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some of the single people just giggled, and the married people are like, "Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's my favorite church. I love this." But there's something about this, this nakedness. Where the Bible says that the children of Israel, I mean, I'm sorry, the Adam and Eve, they sinned before God. And the moment that they sinned before God, they went and they took fig trees and they tried to cover themselves because they were embarrassed. And they told God, we, we were ashamed because we're naked. See, something happens when offense enters into your heart that you feel like you're just naked and exposed in front of everybody. So what happens is a couple of things. Number one, you either flight, meaning fight or flight, right? You either fly away and you recluse yourself. And you start to go back into your shell and you're like, man, they hurt me and I don't want nobody else to hurt me. And so all of a sudden now you're just kind of like hanging back and you're just like, man, I don't want nobody else to see this. You know, I don't want nobody to understand. Everybody sees me. They know how messed up I am. They know how bad I am. That person said that I was stupid. Everybody knows how stupid I am. Everybody knows how messed up I am. And before you know it, you're just so recluse into yourself that, man, you're so far away. you're you're giving yourself so much space from people because of what somebody did when you can deal with that be healed with it and live an open life not have to be afraid and filled with shame and guilt this is a heavy message i get it man i get my wife is preaching next sunday she's gonna be happy go lucky you guys gonna love it (laughs) right now you gotta get this work so here it is that these people they get so far But then there's another group of people that when somebody offends you and hurts you, when you feel this thing inside of you, you're the person that goes up. And now you're starting to be angry and bitter and mad and frustrated. And everybody can get in it. Everybody, because you're dealing with something that number one has changed your identity. But all of a sudden now you're like exposed and you're like, well, I'm going to, if you're going to expose me, you're going to see all of me and I'm going to show you everything. And now you begin to hurt people before they hurt you. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 26, I want you to see this because God was telling Moses how to build an altar. In building an altar, what he was trying to explain to him was not the flesh, it was not the flesh part of it. What he was trying to show them was this nakedness, this shamefulness that he wanted to bind against it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 26, it says, When you go up the steps of my altar, when you're going, you have to build steps to go to an altar. When you build the steps to go up to my altar, I want you to make sure that your nakedness is not exposed. Here's what God was saying. Yo, there are things inside of you that if somebody sees it, they're going to be embarrassed. There are things that you have done that when somebody sees it, you become embarrassed. What I want you to do is that when you come to my presence, I want you to make sure that you remove all of that stuff from you. When you come to my presence, I want you to remove all of the offense, all of the unforgiveness. If your brother has done something to you, then I want you to go leave your gift at the altar and I want you to go and reconcile with your brother and then I want you to come back and then offer your gift. Matthew chapter 5, what God is trying to tell us here is that, yo, when you come to him, even when you come to prayer, that unforgiveness that bitterness that offense it actually begins to create a wedge between you and God and now you're sitting there and you're like Well, God sees my nakedness God sees my frailties. God sees how broken I am. He can't bless me He can't answer because he knows he can't trust me and bro, I'm telling you it gets deeper and deeper and deeper because the enemy has Exposed you not only is it about you but when he did that what he was trying to do was that he was trying to send a message when he ripped out the buttocks, I want to show you. No, i say, to show you. Some of y'all were like, do it, do it, do it. Oh, this is good. I'm not going to do it, Rico. I'm not going to do it. But that, but that feeling was what the king of Ammon wanted him to take back to his people. So when, he was, when they were walking back, this delegation, they wanted to, to see half of their beard shaved off. Shameful. But then he also wanted to show them, this is what it looks like when you try me. Can I tell you that terrorism, last Sunday, we we had a beautiful time and man, we talked about 9-11 and we remembered man, all over this nation. And man, I want to say thank you. Uh, Jess, I know you're watching online right now, but uh, we had a, a, a platoon, I guess you would say, of Navy men that came over here and they were able to help us to clean the church. And man, this is the second time that they've come. And man, I mean, they're just amazing. It was about 20 of them and they were helping us move stuff and mop and clean after service. And it was beautiful. But we, we, we took time to honor people who lost their lives due to a terrorist attack. A terrorist attack that their job and their responsibility, what they were trying to accomplish, wasn't to take down the, the, the trade towers. That wasn't, their, that wasn't what they were trying to accomplish. They weren't trying to accomplish that they wanted to knock a building down or knock a second building or knock a few other buildings that were around that had nothing to do with it. That, they didn't want to do that. What they wanted to do was that they wanted to inflict terrorism. They wanted to inflict terror that's what terrorists do they can kill a group of people but what they're trying to do is that if you don't do what we tell you to do you're next so it's a fear that gets placed inside of you now that you're like yo another building is going to get blown up they're going to send anthrax y'all remember that through the mail we're going to get white powder we're going to die everybody's going to die it created terror and that's what satan tries to do in your life because what happens is that people around you now they start to get scared Yo, that's what happens when you're offended. Now people around you start getting offended. Can I tell you that that's the root? And that's not the reason why, but that's a root of bitterness. I mean, I'm sorry, of racism. That's where a lot of that has come from. Because all of a sudden now, two different things happen because a certain race has done something to you and offended you. Now all of a sudden, you treat everybody from that race the same way. We're going to get real or we're just going to talk and like, hey, Jesus wants to bless you. Here's $5 to put your bank account. And this is where stuff happens because you haven't dealt with the offense. That's why you don't talk to your uncle. Because he did that to your aunt. And all of a sudden you're angry at him and you're angry at everybody from that side because of something that they did to somebody else. It was terrorism. You're a Christian. You have called on the name of Jesus. There is no place in you to have bitterness, anger, hatred in your heart. You're supposed to be filled with the hope that this world can use. You're supposed to be a reconciler, not somebody that continues to create a breach. So when I'm speaking to you about these things, you're like, yeah, I hate my uncle. That's a problem. Because it starts with your uncle, but then it drifts into other relationships. And if you don't get this out of your heart, if you don't allow God to heal these moments, then you're going to start watching that it's not only your uncle, it's not only the pastor, but now all of a sudden it's. It's your spouse. And then it's your kids. Before you know it, it becomes God. And now you're mad and you're bitter at God and you're offended at God. Well, God, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. You didn't didn't take care of me the way that you said that you were going to take care of me. Okay, Chino, that's it. You got me. I'm heavy. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm offended. Okay, I get it. I know. What do I do? I want to show you. Because there's a couple of things that you can do and a couple of things that you need to be able to do. And you need in your life to be able to walk out of a season of offense. How not to be living in this triggered lifestyle. Number one, the Bible says that as they were going, some of the people told David, yo, David, I know you send these people out here to Ammon because you wanted them to bring comfort. But what ends up happening is that they shaved the beards of the individuals halfway and they cut them at the buttocks. And what David did was that David met them on the way. And David said, hey, hold on a second. You can't bring that with you. I want you to stop for a moment. You need somebody in your life. You need a pastor. You need a friend in your life that's going to be able to tell you, yo, half of your beard is gone. Amen. Hey, man, I can see your booty cheeks. <laughs> that's so weird, bro. It sounded so much better in my head, right? It was like, it's all the message. <laughs> but you need somebody in your life to be able to tell you, yo, hold on, you don't look right. You don't sound right. Can I tell you that this is why we created these things called G Groups. The reason why we meet here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. is not because we want to do another thing in church. Yo, y'all know churches do too much stuff anyway. We try to condense and try to do as least as possible to be able to honor your time but to give you stuff so that in the time that you're away from the church, you can actually start doing those things. Not just to come listen to it like a horoscope, get your little feel, and then go on and live your regular life. We're giving you tools so that you can work out Monday through Saturday. But what happens is that Wednesdays are created for you to have some Davids in your life. I mean, man, we had an incredible time as we were talking as men, bro. And there were people that were like sharpening me like it was funny. We were talking and Ricky was sitting there and Ricky was just saying, man, the word of God has been challenging me. And I'm starting to notice stuff and I'm starting to tie it up and it's starting to even out. And in my own life, I was like, yo, that's crazy because I'm in a season of my life where and it's been a few years now. But there's when I read the scriptures, I have to fight with myself so hard not to make it another sermon. Not to make it another, oh, this can help that person, but to be able to sit at the master's feet and eat from the word of God and not have another message to preach, but to be able to consume it and say, yo, this is for me, this is God speaking to my life, right? So for me to be able to hear that there's a balance in a young person's life who's 20-something, that he's balancing it out in his life, it speaks to me because I'm trying to balance it out in my life. What is something that I can give to somebody as a morsel of bread or what is something that I need to desperately divulge because I'm starving and I need God in this area? area of my life. This is what G groups are all about. This is what Wednesdays create where there's a David in your life that tells you, yo, you can't bring that into the next season. You can't take that into another relationship. You can't take that into another job. You can't take that to another school. You can't take that to another boss. You got to take some time. The Bible says that David tells him, here's what I want you to do. You, You can't bring that with you, but what I want you to do is I want you to turn into Jericho. I want you to turn to Jericho. And when we hear Jericho, We remember Jericho as the walls of Jericho are falling down. Jericho is this demonic place that the children of Israel had to walk around seven times. And Nunzi preached an amazing message about this months ago on Jericho. And Jericho is this huge place that's just ugly and vilified. The walls of Jericho. And then they shouted, ah! And when they shouted, the walls came crumbling down. That's what we know of Jericho. But do you know that the actual word Jericho is a sweet-smelling aroma, right? Right? the hebrew word for jericho it actually means the lord's sweet breath the lord's sweet breath it's funny because we talked about this idea of of living distracted and discouraged and and disunified a few weeks ago and if you haven't you can listen to that message later but one of the things that we were talking about was proximity how proximity allows for you to hear the lord's voice right The the distraction was, hey, or discouragement was Jesus, when he was being tempted, it was like, hey, Jesus, take that stone and turn it into bread. And Jesus, in that moment, he was fasting. He was preparing himself for ministry. And what he did in that moment was that he was offering Jesus an escape, but discouraged him. Turn it into bread. End your fast. And Jesus turns to him. And this is when you feel discouraged in your life that you can turn to the Lord. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So meaning that my words that come out of my mouth, you'll only be, you're hearing them now because I got a microphone. For you to actually be able to hear me, you got to be close to me as this microphone is. So what I love about Jericho is that Jericho is this place that is the Lord's sweet breath. Uncle Mike, can you, can you smell my breath? But if you're close to me, then you can smell my sweet Colgate breath. (laughs) I drank some coffee. I might offend you. I might offend you, so I don't want to do it. But it's being in proximity and it's being close to God. It's when you're able to share time with God. So what, what David was telling him was that your identity looks different. You're carrying shame and I know you feel nakedness and you feel exposed to everybody. I need you not to take that with you to the next season. But I need you to turn into Jericho. What's Jericho look like? Man, Jericho happens in your living room. Jericho happens in your room. Jericho happens when your boss offends you and you want to hit him with a two-piece and a biscuit and you just say, I'm sorry, sir. Can you do me a favor? I need to use the bathroom real quick. I got a tinkle. Please give me one second, I'll be right back. Going to the bathroom. Edo Bo Lord, I need you right now because I'm about to hit. Oh Jesus, I took, I took my earrings off and I got them in my pocket, Lord. You know me, Lord. And you and you you take it, you take it to God's presence. It's in God's presence that you can find yourself fulfilled. It's in God's presence where you can eliminate all distraction, disunity, discouragement, but offense and unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, that you can find yourself in God's presence. David was giving him a clear instruction that I want you to turn to God's presence. Turn to Jericho. Lydia's mad at me. And we're both sitting at this restaurant. And I have eaten my fill. And she drank water with lemonade. She probably ate though. And as we, we kind of get up from the restaurant, I, you know, tip the lady or whatnot, and we, we go to walk out. And when we're walking out, I'm like, I just feel the tension. It's just, there's anger just fuming from her. You know, you feel that? You're just like, I don't want to say nothing. I'm like, I ate, now it hit me. I'm like, I totally offended my wife. She's mad at me. This is, oh my God. And I'm like, Whoa, I got to do something to make this thing up. And as I'm walking, and my wife knows where I'm going with this. As I'm walking towards the car, I'm like, I don't remember when we we bought rims for our car. I I don't remember having a yellow rim. And I remember walking up to the car and I'm like, bro, they put a boot on my car. At this point, I'm not even looking at Lydia. I'm not going to say nothing to her. I'm just like, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, come off boot now off right now. It didn't work. It didn't work. And I'm sitting and I'm looking at the boot. I'm like, oh man. And then I see the little phone number on the side of the boot. So when I see the phone number on the side of the boot, I'm like, okay, the only way for me to get home right now, at this point it's 4:30 in the morning. I've been eating. I'm good. My wife is angry at me and now I'm stuck. I can't even move forward. And I see the phone number and I say, okay, let me, let me call this. Let me let me figure this out so I call and I'm expecting for it to be like some type of yard or something and as I call the number I'm sitting I, you know it was a, a, a 404 number and it's a local number and I call and hello I'm gonna help you and I'm like first of all you are supposed to be like tours wrecking or something like that like give me the name of the business it's supposed to be professional don't hello me and I said uh I'm mad I'm fr- I'm offended because you put a boot on my car I'm like uh I'm sorry I parked in the right spot um they were double lines and then there's a a separation I parked on the right side there's no handicap um and I parked on the right side but I'm trying to figure out why I got a boot so that's gonna be 175 dollars I'm like listen you ain't understanding me I'm giving you an explanation my guy I parked in the right side I see the double lines I'm standing there and this is not right why am I being booted it's gonna be 175 dollars sir I said all right I'm not gonna get nowhere having this argument right now My wife is mad at me. I don't need a random individual mad at me. I just want to go. And when I say, okay, sir, I'll I'll pay the $175. How does this work? The guy hangs up on me. When the guy hangs up on me, literally, bro, I I ain't making this up. Pastors exaggerate a whole lot, but my wife is right there. She know I ain't lying. Right in front of us, the, the lights go on. Boom. And this guy pulls out, comes right around us, gets out of the car and brings me a little credit card machine. And he's like, here you go. I'm like, sir, do you see the lines? He's like, I, I see the lines, but I also see the sign that says that from 3 to 6 a.m. You can't park here. So here's your you got a credit card, credit or debit. What you doing? You have cash? I was like, no, we have a card, paid the card, everything. Yo, the guy goes to his car. I mean, super simple, bro. I'm, I'm in the wrong job right now, dude. I need to get boots and boot all y'all car. Like, you know how much money I make? What am I doing, bro? The guy goes and he gets a key, bro. He literally goes to the bottom of the car. He clicks it, locks it, puts it in the back of his truck. I'm like, thank you, sir. He's frustrating, like mad, but just went and parked right back in the same way, waiting for somebody else to get the car. And finally, I was able to get in my car and leave. The reason I tell you that story is because for so many of us, that's where we live. Man, we have not been able to get past 2013. We have not been able to get past 1996 when that person did that to you we have not been able to get past 2021 when the boss 22 last week a month ago three years ago we can't get past that place because somebody has hurt and offended us so hard that now we're not only living outside of our identity we're walking around either we're recluse away from everybody or we're angry and bitter at everybody getting mad at everybody and we haven't gotten to the place that we've just removed the boot from our life It's as easy as you turning to Jericho and it's as simple as the Lord coming. The Bible says that when he died, he didn't die for you. I know that's popular and he died for you, I guess you could say, but Jesus died as you. He never sinned. You sinned. You should have been on that cross. He had no business on that cross, but he did it because of you. He went on that cross and he died as you. He took the penalty. The wrath of God was placed on him. The Bible says that when he dies, he goes down to death, hell, and the grave. And he takes the keys back from Satan. The very keys that were taken away in Genesis chapter 3. And now he holds these keys. And This is the key that you need to unlock yourself. Because, bro, it feels like you haven't been able to get out of that season for so long. Like, I mean, you're not funny anymore. It's not cool anymore. You're not not excited about things anymore. It's hard for you to get excited about stuff because you were hurt so deeply. Today, would you turn to Jericho? Don't take this into the next season. Would you find yourself in Jericho? Would you allow for the maker to come and turn on the lights? Pull up in your situation and jump out of the car. The beautiful thing is that you don't have to pay. Jesus already paid for it. It's on him. And Today, he has the keys to make you untriggered. You don't have to get triggered by every little thing. You don't have to get triggered by every little offense that somebody gives you, but that Jesus can actually give you the keys to be able to unlock the boot in your soul and allow for you to move into the next season of life. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. and We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.church.